Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Might start off a little strange today. You know, I, I remember going to this church when I was younger, and it was a charismatic church, you know, um, but they had like a team of pastors, so you kind of didn't know who was always going to be speaking, you know. But there was one that was just kind of strange. He's, he's very charismatic, you know what I mean? So it was that type that, that when you'd bring a guest, you'd be like, man, I hope he's not the one speaking. You know what I mean? Because it's going to freak old, it's going to freak Michael out. Got to ease him into this stuff because that, that guy just takes it a little, you know what I mean? So it's one of those deals. You ever been that person? You've been a new person at a new church and, uh, you know, or you're bringing somebody and you're like, well, I hope it doesn't get too strange today. <laughs> Try to ease them into this. So, uh, you know, so that being said, I'd like to just start off and apologize um, to absolutely nobody. <laughs> but uh, that, yeah, you know, getting to the message, three, two, one, here it goes. So it was um, 2008. It was the summer moving into the fall 2008. My wife and I lived down at the beach. And um, some of you will know the story. But we went to church at a regular church that day, um, morning service. Came, came out of there, went to eat lunch somewhere, you know, pretty normal. And I'm not a napper. I don't know about you guys. Like, if I take a nap during the day, it's like... I don't know, I can't come out of it. An hour later, I come out of a nap and it's like, I'm like, I've taken, I'm like intoxicated. Like, I can't, can't function. I can't come out of a nap. I don't know why. So I just don't mess with them. But for some reason, I took a nap, which is very abnormal for me, right? Too much information, yeah? Um, anyways, that's me. And that's what I did that day in 2008. And after church, after lunch, took a nap. And I had the most peculiar dream when I, when I took this nap. And in this dream, I was showing up with a crowd of people, and I didn't know anybody there. And I remember the place. It was almost like an IMAX theater, if you've been to one of those. They're more common now, but when I was young, they weren't very common. And um, so we were walking up this big cement you know, rampway that was going into this nice theater. It was almost like a stadium. And we walked into the stadium seating at this really nice theater. And when I walk in to get our seats, on the screen in front of me is the planet Earth. And it's almost like the iPhone screensavers, they used to always have the planet Earth on them. You know what I mean? You know, 10, 15 years ago. It almost looked like it was just a screensaver. It was just the planet Earth, you know, zoomed out from, you know, a satellite or something. Very pretty. Blues and greens and white clouds and stuff like that on the picture of the screen. And so I didn't even know what show I was fixing to watch, you know. But we sat down. And as we sat there in this auditorium, stadium seatings with this really large screen, as I'm looking directly ahead of me, the way you guys are looking at me, on the screen of the earth, I also saw on the sides of the IMAX movie screen, these beings that were as tall, these like people that were as tall as the screen, one on each side, right? And the best way I can describe it is that they were translucent. So you didn't see them at first and then you're like, whoa, there, that, there's somebody there. Anybody ever watched The Predator back in the day? When he'd be in the jungle and he'd press that button, he'd go clear, but you could still kind of see him. Yes. A couple head nods. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. 
and Arnold Schwarzenegger put all the mud over his face so you couldn't see him and all that hiding from it. Yeah, great show, right? Back in the day. Uh, anyhow, so they were like translucent on the side of this screen. You regret, you regret showing up yet? You know, this is kind of strange, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm watching and I'm, and I'm like, whoa, what are those things? And as soon as I noticed them standing one large, I mean, it could have, could have been eight, 20 feet tall on one side and 20 feet tall on the other side of the screen, they somehow, and you know, it's a dream, but they somehow together took this, what was like a giant pair of glasses, you know, clear framed glasses, or framed glasses, but like clear lensed glasses, not sunglasses, between the two of them somehow, almost like it came from the screen, and they reached out and placed it over the crowd. And as they did that, it was almost like you were at a 3D movie and, and it became glasses on each person's face. <laughs> you know? And so when, when that actually happened, the screen, this picture of the earth, you saw it in a completely different lens and, and I could see that the earth was actually alive. The earth was actually like a created being. It was living, breathing, and it could communicate, right? And so it's like, oh my gosh, the earth is alive. And that's the way the show started. The earth is actually communicating to people. <laughs> I know this sounds like you're listening to a podcast about somebody that took mushrooms. I, I get it. It's, you know, this is not a normal occurrence for me either. So anyways, I'm, so, so we're watching, and the, and the earth starts to talk to everyone that's in this auditorium. And he's communicating how he is, it is trying to wake up and longing for mankind to wake up and take his rightful place. Amen. And that there were things that were coming, that there were shakings and things that were coming that were meant to help assist in man waking up into his true identity. It communicated other things in the dream. Um, in this uh, vision dream, you know, I'm completely asleep. But at the end of the dream, the way I woke up out of this dream in the afternoon that day, is I woke up, or at least I thought that I woke up, to my good friend Jason walking in my room of the condo where me and Nicole stayed. And he literally comes and he walks in my room and he wakes me up and I'm like, dude, I had the, whew, I had the strangest dream, <laughs> you know? I'm thinking like, that was something, that was weird. And then my friend Jason starts to communicate to me and he says, not only was that weird, he says, but all the trees of the earth, they're the record keepers of the true history of the world. And within them, they keep the record, they're watching out. And he's, and he's saying this thing and I'm just like, whoa, that's really cool. <laughs> but I'm like, it's just my regular friend. I'm like, how do you know this? Like, that's amazing. And in the middle of the conversation, then I woke up and I was there by myself and nobody was in my room, right? So that's the end of that. So you can, um, that's, that's bizarre, right? And that was the end of that dream. But as soon as I woke up and I'm, I'm kind of chewing on this and I'm thinking like, wow, that was super bizarre, but super symbolic, felt very real like I was actually there. Then I thought Jason was in my room having a conversation with me and then I woke up twice you know, really, really strange. Didn't do drugs. I mean, I hadn't for a really long time, right? Uh, didn't, what, not drinking and talking. No, no, Sunday afternoon. Maybe ate pizza or something. I don't know, you know. Um, but I woke up and I knew some of the symbolism and it caused me to go into the very passage of Scripture, which ironically, Jake, 
opened up the message with today, Romans 8. And I looked about this reality of what it means to be a mature Christian or a real Christian, following the voice of God and being led of the Spirit of God. And how it says in Romans 8, 14, that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, the wheels, the, the mature sons of God. And it's, and it's giving this distinction about what it means to truly walk in the Spirit or as a mature Christian is to know the voice of the Lord and be directed as Him as your true shepherd in this life. You know, to enter into the relational connection that we all understand was prophesied many times all throughout the whole Old Testament. All these mystics they called the prophets and the psalmists and these kings and these priests and the history books that are written, that they prophesied about this voice of God coming back to mankind that had been severed, right? In Isaiah 59 or um, Jeremiah 31, 33, Ezekiel 36, 26, uh, Joel 2, it'll come to pass, talking about this new covenant that will happen, um, that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh, Joel 2 says. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. In other words, it won't just be prophetic people. Christians will have the ability to hear God's voice and speak His word. You know, your, your, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. It's like, not the prophets. I will pour my spirit on your sons and your daughters. So there would no longer be a distinction. Well, the women have to this and the men have to... You know, all these distinctions that were really man-made that came from the poisonous fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, none of that will be here anymore, and everybody will be able to know me. And I will make a new kingdom of priests, kings and priests, out of humanity. That's yeah, really cool. It sounds so much more like an epic movie than it does what is so commonly taught. You know what I mean? Because there's so much more to it. But Romans 8 goes on to say, talking about the Holy Spirit in verse 19 and about the creation, considering that earth trippy panoramic dream. In Romans 8, 19, it says, For the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. This is what that planet was talking to us about. Our planet in this dream. You know what I mean? The Bible is literally saying that all of creation has been subject to the fall. The limitation that came, on, came upon mankind in the fall, right? came upon not only human beings, but everything which humans had dominion over, which was the entire earth and all of the animal kingdom, above and below the sea. And Romans 8 is actually saying that. It's literally telling us that. That we're supposed to step into the freedom of this maturity, which the sons of God are led of him by his voice and knowing him and stepping in this new covenant, which is in full, complete wholeness, back to the created image, which we were created in, in his actual image. For one thing, and for another thing, that all of creation is longing for this reality to happen. It's almost like it's groaning, urging, please, people, wake up to who you are because we've been locked and limited as well. And we want out. We want to be free again. 
Isn't that a beautiful sentiment? You know? And so the reality is the lens, even if you look, you know, me considering that dream, is seeing, seeing through the natural lens, it was a beautiful created earth and all this, but seeing through a different lens, we saw the planet through the lens of purpose and destiny and through the spiritual eyes and how much is actually riding on us becoming who we truly are and were created before the foundations of the earth in him. There's so much more purpose and destiny to the whole thing. I love Isaiah 6, and I've taught it a lot, a lot of times through its historical context, through the king of Uzziah. But today, just for, um, just for our point, it's, you know, there's a lot of songs even written about this. You'll probably, when you, if you read this, you'll remember some of the old hymns and old songs that's written out of Isaiah um, 6, verse 3. But it says that, you know, when King Uzziah died, died, Isaiah had this vision. And he sees the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up above the temple. And he says, above the temple stood these angelic beings known as seraphim. So, you know, there's different ways you could break that word down. These bright and shining, glistening, angelic throne guardian beings um, having six wings and, and, and they're obviously very strange. But he says these beings that are with the Lord around his throne that are lifted up above the earth and, and you know, above this temple, they're crying out to one another and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And um, I thought of that when I was just kind of contemplating today. And it's like, we can have a different view of the creation of the world and of everything that's even happening on the earth. You know, you can look at social media, you can look at something like Twitter or watch CNN or Fox or whatever news station you like, and it doesn't feel like anything's going well for anybody. And like we're on the tip of just a total meltdown in, in every single way, you know what I mean? And everyone hates each other and you're not allowed to talk about this or that. And, Nobody knows what's of this and what's of that. And it's just the most, it's just such an, everything is so blatantly ugly and perverse and, and bad and negative forecasts and outlooks when you look through it with that natural eye. But how much even more these, these angels are seeing from a different perspective than any of us see from down here. This is before Jesus has stepped onto the earth. This is before the cross. This is before the redemption of mankind. This is before the new covenant had actually come out. I was pouring out my spirit. This is all before this. And from their perspective, they are around his throne, crying out, holy is he. Like, he's incredible. He is awesome. He is pure. He is wonderful. He is kind. He is good. They, they have no clue. Everyone's afraid of this bipolar deity that's not really that. And not only do they say that, but they say, the, and the whole earth is full of his glory. They're looking at what many would see as a complete catastrophic mess, the fallen earth. And they're saying, no, 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 no. It is absolutely full of the glory of God. It is incredible. This is incredible. And this is the lens of the seraphim, the ones that are in his presence, the angels. The, this is the lens of Christianity. 
It's like, oh no, the whole earth is full of his glory. David said, David was hunted by his own people half the time, by the enemies. Psalm 33, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The earth is full of the kindness and the steadfast love of the Lord. It's like everywhere I look, because of the proximity which he was in, everything looks like it's been constructed for God to bless me in it. That's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a view. Back to Romans 8. All things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And guess what? No one's outside of that being called according to his purpose. If you're a human being, that's, this, ain't no, this isn't Calvinism. It's easy to shoot holes in that. This is, this is the reality of being an one created in the image of God. It's like you, you've been, you have been called with a brilliant purpose. When you learn to love God as he loves you, you know, because he first loved us, it unlocks this reality that all things, even the trials, are here to benefit. This, this reality of which all of creation is longing and waiting for. There's so many times we can have a bad view of bad uh, theology. We can have bad eschatology about the end times and all these different things. And, and because of that, we can be hiding in life huddling in our churches, you know what I mean? Keep, keep, keep away from being spotted by the world, right? And waiting for God to do something that he's already done and he's already freely given to us. And the reality is all of creation is actually waiting on us to believe in what God has already done and to live with that projection or hope of his future which is a tractor beam that causes it to come into the earth. Hebrews 11.1. It literally says that. You know what I'm saying? Faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's like this faith, this hope, this, the substance, this, it's the substrate, it's the foundational reality, the evidence of that which is in the unseen realm, which is the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus walked around, honestly like a broken record, constantly saying, the kingdom's at hand. The kingdom's at hand. You know, the Pharisees are trying to trap him. Luke 17, tell us when it will come. What did he say? He says, it doesn't come with observation. You know, you're looking, you're looking, you're looking. It's actually within you. Jesus said that to Pharisees that were trying to trap him in his words. Not to his disciples that were following him. The ones that were trying to trap him, he said it was already in them. There's another controversial thing to chew on. You know what I mean? But the reality is, it's like, hey, you're created in my image. The kingdom is within you. You have to have a turn. That's what repentance is. There needs to be a mind change. It's here. Jesus, then he sends out Matthew 10, 8. He, says, he tells his disciples, go out and do these things. Pray for the sick, cleanse leper, lepers, raise dead people, cast out demons and stuff. It's like, what? Like, how are we supposed to do that? He's like, and tell them that the kingdom is actually at hand. It's already here. It's like, it's already here. How, how could it be this way? You know. But the reality of the scriptures... 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this treasure that is in earthen vessels. It's like, oh, the goodness of God. The earth is full of the glory of the Lord. It's in people. The Matthew 13, 44, one of my favorite, you know, because it's just a one verse hitter, you know. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who he found treasure that was hidden in a field. And for joy over it, he went and sold everything he had to purchase that field. He saw that there was treasure here that no one else could see. And so he gave his whole life to redeem that treasure. That's Jesus. But his 
It is also the sons and daughters. It is also us. It is all about seeing in the way that the seraphim see. The whole earth is full of the glory of the Lord. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a change of sight. Whether it's good or it's bad, it's all for the growth if we're choosing to follow him, the shepherd. Doesn't matter. David said it. Psalm 23, yeah? I'm on the green grass by the crystal waters. My shepherd, he, that's, that's the Lord. But also, if I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, doesn't matter because his rod and staff comforts me. It doesn't matter. He says, he'll prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. Not a social media enemy, somebody that actually wanted to kill him. In other words, I'll take my armor off and put my weapons down and eat right in the presence of those who are after me. And that was a, that was a stance of like, I can rest anywhere with him because with him trumps, doesn't matter. It trumps anything that can be against me. It was all perspective, dude. That's the whole thing. The whole thing is this way. And he's, that is the fear of the Lord. And he's bringing us into this reality. Hey, acknowledging him above all our ways. Like it's, it's, it's all a perspective. And we're all learning this. You know, I love the, the disciples were like, he doesn't have time for these little kids. We have important business. You know what I mean? Like shooting people off, you know. He's like, take, take heed that you do not despise one of the little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Yeah, Matthew 18.10. Don't despise people as insignificant because the angels, from their view, they recognize who you think is insignificant. They recognize the Father's kids. They recognize, they see the face of the Father in heaven. They see like, oh, you know what I mean? It's like we just got our soccer pictures back of our girls. And you don't even have to know my girls. If you looked at Noble's team, you say, hey, pick which one's DTs. It's the one with the head and the, and the ear sticking out. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, that's his. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean? She's beautiful, so, you know, but, you know, she also got a lot of her dad somehow, you know, and still managed to be pretty, so. But, uh, you know, the thing is, and she is, though. But the thing is, it's like you, you read, like the angels, like they don't, he's, Matthew 18, Jesus is saying like the angels don't see the way you see. People said significant. They see the imagers of the Father in these things. Sounds like it's all perspective, you know. The kingdom is actually at hand. It is here. This is, oh, we've got to be present. We've got to be mindful. The truth of that, that's, it's true, but there's, there's a, such a deep truth in that reality that we have to be mindful that we are never alone. The Lord is always with us. We are only one decision away from actually following Him if we're not following Him. You know, Man was created and placed in the perfect situation to be fruitful and multiply. You ever know somebody like that? They took over the family business? Solomon. How about that? Somebody like him? It's like, wow, he could have made straight C's. C's get degrees, they say. He could have made straight C's through college, but he got to take over his dad's business. So he just stepped into being wealthy and being successful and being everybody's boss. And You know what I mean? Uh, okay, so that's kind of Solomon, to be honest. David laid up all this wealth. He laid up all this material to build all the temple. You know, Solomon built the temple. It's like David, David set this whole entire thing up for him, put him in a great place and great position. But, you know, Solomon, he liked them women, dude. Um, so he steered that real, off real quick after a while. But anyhow, 
um, what is <laughs> so anyways man yeah like man dang it Solomon no 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 uh, but man was placed in this in this garden like be fruitful and multiply God set him in the the perfect place which was heaven on earth it was Eden this heavenly garden be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth in other words grow the boundaries of Eden over the entire planet because there was other stuff down here too apparently but I've given you everything to thrive nothing was fallen everything produced fruit you know what I'm saying all the animals all the livestock above the earth below you know the water all this cool stuff but man gave his keys to the bad guys eat this fruit and then you'll be like God oldest trick in the book worked to get something that he already had he was the imagers of God on the earth deceived to think God was holding something back from him got into works or religion the tree of knowledge of good and evil I need to know good and evil so that I can judge and and thought his eyes would be open, but he went completely blind. And because of that, instead of being in this beautiful place of, of even laboring and, and working and, 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 and having purpose and destiny, there's a big difference between working or laboring and then toil, which is, that's that grind. That's that grunt work. That's that, mm, you know what I mean? I don't know how, to, how else I can describe that, but it's like toil is a different game. It's exhausting, and it's you're, you're working in order to survive, you know, not working to build and to multiply and extend. It's two different things. One is the curse. One is not. So he was placed, and I think we did that last week, that the, the verbiage about John the Baptist saying, the one who sent me to baptize, God sent me to baptize, and, and the one whom the Spirit would descend and rest upon was the son was was going to be the son of god and and that 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 reality that the holy spirit came in and, and rested upon or set upon or abided upon was the exact same word in the book of genesis that man was rested upon in in the garden or left upon or he sit to remain upon eden and so just as he gave the keys away mankind did to the bad guys then, in next, then the next man, the last Adam, Jesus, he comes, and the Spirit of God, the eternal inheritance, heaven on earth, comes back onto that man and rests upon him. It's like, oh no, the redemption's happening. Then he goes, walks through this life, sinless, perfect, and redeems the entirety of mankind, and then gives the keys back. Comes out, comes out of the grave, talking about, I have the keys of death and hell. I said hell, not hail, but I just said it like that for some reason. I have the keys of death and hell. Well, hail. I've been in Texas a too long. But you catch what I'm saying. Um, so he gave them the keys, and, and, and now it's like, hey, what you bind on earth is the things which are bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is what's loose in heaven. Like gangbusters. The gates of hell won't prevail. They've released a bunch of stuff on the earth that shouldn't be here, and the authority of mankind is to reverse it. And all of creation is longing for that reversal. Yeah. So he walked around with this broken record message. It wasn't a broken, it was a, it was a redeemed record, but the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the question I have is that what if Eden is literally right here? What if what Jesus said is actually true? What if everything we need has been released and we have access to connect by faith to that reality so as to demonstrate it and awaken those who are living as slaves to the lesser reality. That's Christianity. What if we literally saw 
like those seraphim, like David. The earth is full of the goodness and the, and the love of God. It's like, man, it doesn't look like that. Look at Twitter. You know? Look at, you know, look at people's bumper stickers. You know? FJB. All the time. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I like, you know, I'm just saying it's just like, it's constantly division and anger and hate and stuff everywhere. It's like, how could you say the earth is full of the kindness and love of God? It's because it's, they see with a higher lens. And when we see with that lens, we unlock that reality in the earth. You know? And I'm not saying we need to get a, some visitation of the angels to come wrap their glasses around our corporate body. You know what I'm saying? It's a dream. It's a vision. It's a, it is proverbial. But there's something very real, even to that Isaiah 6, where they're saying, holy is the Lord. Like he is altogether pure and lovely. He is not the bipolar angry man that you thought he is. He is altogether lovely and good righteous and full of light. He loves all of his creation with his whole heart. His, he has the capacity to love individually, completely and wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y. You know, he has purpose and destiny for everyone to step into the family business and he has rested himself upon them just as he rested man in the garden in the first place. And he says, yeah, you're back in Eden again. It sure doesn't look like it. But you have to have eyes to see because it's at hand. And when you do that, you will usher that reality into the world. Yeah. The whole earth is full of his glory. It's kind of like Shadrach and Meshach. You know what I mean? Even the trials. Those guys got thrown in, Daniel 3. We did that last week. The only thing that got taken off of them was the ropes. The only thing that got taken off of them was the bonds. The bad guys that were throwing them in or the strong men that were throwing them into the actual fire. The things that held them back. Yeah. It's like what sometimes we see as, as trial or dark or evil or, or a setback. If we see through the goodness and the love of God, it's like it doesn't look, it's not the same thing. Everything we go through with thanksgiving is, is something where we lift our heads and we see it through God's way and we realize he wants us to flip the thing on his head. Yeah. Even the fire. He didn't want to burn those guys, but he sure used it to free them up and walk around with them in a very close proximity. Nahum 1, man. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, the clouds are the dust of his feet. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows those who take refuge in Him. Those people who truly abide in the Lord, He's known by them. There's a relationship there. You know, it's true. Like the whirlwind, we see it as terrible. It's like, oh no, there's something going on. There's, I'm in a storm, brother. I'm, amen, I'm having a warfare. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, hey, but having a head lifted up to see through God's perspective, the whole, the whole earth is full of his glory, I need to read this situation through the goodness of what he's doing in my heart to bring me into maturity and act accordingly and let this scenario be flipped upon its head. Hey, we had a tornado just come through our city. Remember that? Like four weeks ago? You know that was like right by our house? It's like, I, I literally would... We hear the, the sirens going out, and I always tell the girls, because our house is kind of built into a hill, so it has like steps that go down into a garage. So the garage is a little bit under the ground, so it's pretty safe. It's pretty tornado sturdy, I would imagine. Um, but it's like we live kind of like 
on a real hilly area of town. So I've always tell the girls, oh, you know, tornadoes can't come where there's hills, you know? I, I literally thought, I, I wasn't trying to just make them, I thought it was true. And that thing came right up to me, you know? The girls are going down those little steps into the garage. It was the cutest thing. My six-year-old's wearing a little, her Hello Kitty uh, helmet. <laughs> but I mean, she was, she was just sitting there scared with her Hello Kitty. I looked down there in the, on the steps like, Amy's got a dang helmet on. <laughs> but it was so adorable, but she was also really scared. I was like, oh man, <laughs> poor little girl. You know, and I was like, ah, oh, it's probably fine. And the sirens are through the neighborhood. You know, it's, it's kind of scary, dude. And then Nicole's, she's like, well, you know, we should, we should probably go. We got one of those umbrellas that sticks into the, into the a table outside on, on a patio in the back. She's like, we should probably take that umbrella before it becomes a javelin at somebody's house. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm like, yeah. So I went to take the umbrella down. And all the storm has started moving back towards us, and it was just swirling around. I was like, whoa, this is weird. And I'm putting it back against the house, and Nicole comes out, and my back's facing the storm. And she's like, DT. She's like, she says, it's right behind us. It's, or she said, it's right behind you, like that. And we, we play around a lot, probably too much. So I, I just, and I, was, I wasn't in the mood to play around, though, because it was kind of scary. I was, like, I was like, don't do that to me right now. She's like, I'm serious. It is right there. And it was almost like you're, it felt like, dude, I was telling some of the guys, like, it felt like you're in the water and there's a shark there. Like, hey, there's a shark right over there and it's, it's behind you. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> you know, it felt like it was alive. Like it was an animal. You know what I mean? Just cause I think just cause the way she said that. And, um, so I turned around like a horror movie. It's right behind you. And literally it's like, it's, it's one street. It's cause our house is kind of perched up. So down the street, it's right over us. It's like, I'm, I'm looking at the thing and it's starting to circle and stuff's shooting up through it. Like shook, 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 like little debris. <laughs> I was like, and part of me was shocked. Like, you can't be here. We got hills, man. How are you, how are, how are you right there? This is, this is impossible. <laughs> I've told my girls we got hills. <laughs> well, I was like, uh, and then I, was, I started reaching for my phone to take a video of it. And she's like, get in the house. And I'm like, I'm like sitting there trying to film it. And I just, my, I'm like, eh, my arms kind of shake. And she's like, get in the house. So I spoke to it a little bit and kind of had, I talked to it to some and then just walked into the house. And then you see some of those pictures from like KLTV and stuff. And it was like, you could see it from Troop in the Loop over my neighborhood. And it looks like a dang, you know, it's like a triangle coming down there, dude. It's some real stuff, man. But you know, the only place that that thing said to have actually fully touched down was right up the road from here, not this road, but one road over on, right up uh, Fleischel at a funeral home. It touched up that funeral home right before you get to 5th Street or what, or 1st Street, whatever that is right there. It touched the top of it and you could drive by it and, and it ripped the shingles off of it. But it was an EE00 or whatever. So I think it was like a, a, the lowest grade of tornado, but it was an actual real tornado. Um, but fun fact about our city. So that, that happened. But I was just thinking about that and just, just the same way that the fire only took off their bonds and the things that bound them and ended up promoting them. The only place where that tornado actually touched ground, what they have it as being fully touched down, was a place of death. It was a funeral home. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I made this comment last week that like the Lord cleans his house with a flamethrower. It was kind of a joking thing because everything that burns wasn't actually supposed to be there. 
And there's scriptures on that that says everything will be tested with fire. The wood, hay, and stubble won't remain, but that which is gold, the precious, the, the reality, the, the, that which is eternal remains in our life. But those that have eyes to see can actually see the storm, can see the fire, can see whatever's going on, and they know that it's actually going to work out for them in a good way. Like, hey, this is actually good. And it's like, how's this good? Because the Lord has his way in the whirlwind. You know what I mean? And it's this way of seeing that the whole earth is full of his glory, even the stuff that we go through sometimes. It's a, it really is truly a perspective shift of everything. And I think that's the strategy or the point that I wanted to make about tonight was, or today, I'm so used to that, but is that the perspective of heaven is absolutely everything. You know, it's like Psalm 24, lift up your heads, O you gates, and the king of glory will come in. It's like there's, there's, there's perspective, and those were the, the heads of the gates that had to be lifted up when the king would actually come into their gates, but it was, it was prophetic, and it was, it was worded that way for a reason. It's like when our minds are lifted up, we have the access and the view of heaven, and the king of glory, the reality of heaven, comes into the earth, but so many times it's actually just making our decisions based on seeing from his point of view. And in order to do that, we have to be in full relationship and yielded to him in all things. And the truth is that there is so much around us to be unlocked in our life, even just in the natural places we find ourselves, because we're not, we're not, let's go drink ayahuasca in the jungle and have a spiritual experience, right? We've been breathed, our life has been breathed of God. We are spiritual, we are spiritual following a God who's spirit, you know, John 4 says, worshiping him in spirit and in truth, who are, who are living in a natural world having somewhat of a natural experience. So it's, it's opposite. And the whole world is going after it, but even a lot of the best psychologists and, and self-help gurus and all, they understand the truths and the reality of having a hopeful perspective and what we visualize. But I think a lot of times the missing link is that view that the seraphim had that the, that the Lord is holy, pure, and good, altogether lovely, kind, and everything is full of His glory, and everything we go through is meant to exemplify His goodness and His glory so that it will awake, awaken other people. And that's our actual walk. And so many times there's strategies in life, people sometimes will find themselves banging their head up against a barrier continually, going around the same mountain the same way several times. And it's like, hey, I'm trying to do this right. I'm trying to, how, how am I supposed to get this way? I, I feel like I'm supposed to progress into this sphere or this level of influence or this level of success. And I keep bumping my head. But in reality, once we realize that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and we practice this reality of faithfulness by being in the present and being in the moment and actually seeing things the way God sees them and seeing people the way God sees them, not as insignificant, right? That their angels always see the face of the Father who's in heaven. The Matthew 13, 44, that there's treasure in the earth that everyone's walking by. It literally is playing like playing a little video game when you're a kid, like, you know, uh, The Legend of Zelda or something, where you're searching under all the bushes for the little knives and the little hearts or the keys or whatever, you know, that, that analogy didn't go very well. But anyways, it's, it's, it's being faithful to be the love of God to people. 
instead of constantly looking for our next move of God or, or God to open the door for our ministry or for our money or for, instead of thinking that way, it's like, how can I be faithful with what is in my circle now? How can I be exemplar? How can I show the love of God in my own house and in my, in my own relationships and even in people at work? And, and how can I have a heart? Like you see the people that skipped the line in the book of Acts were like Stephen and Philip. People that instead of having this agenda to be somebody took opportunities to serve in what God was actually building, which is his church, by the way. It's like actually serve there and actually function there. And when they did that, they skipped the line. Stephen became the first martyr. Jesus is standing in heaven welcoming him in. Philip's being translated, you know, miles, you know, like a, like, I don't know, Magneto or something. <laughs> Disappear in one place, appearing in another place. You know, we have all this cool stuff happening. But it's because they didn't see where they, they were at as insignificant. And they weren't waiting on their big break. They were thinking small enough to be faithful in the here and now and walk with the Lord and unlock those things. So, so the, the trap of like not of actually wasting our trials is a trap and trying to self-medicate or avoid them instead of actually get what God is really imparting to our heart in them and growing so we don't go around the mountain again. That's the way. And the other one is not putting any roots down or not actually being faithful with what we do have because we're always waiting for the next thing. When the reality is the keys that unlock the doors to the next thing are found in faithfully walking with the Lord in the here and now. Living the gospel, which is actually being transformed into his image. It's manifesting the, the essence of heaven, which is righteousness, and it is peace, and it is joy in the Holy Spirit. Not righteousness in the way that our girls don't put makeup on, you know what I mean? And our guys all have to be a certain, amen, never say, yeah, uh, yep, yep, yeah, so not that, but I'm saying just like peace and joy, righteousness, being in right standing with God and with men. Having integrity in our relationships. Having peace instead of anxiety. Being happy. People want to be around you when you're a happy person. If you're fun to be around, you, you're going to have people want to be around you. Because they're going to want what you have. Summer, we're, we're stepping into it. Our kids have just like three or four days left of school. It's fun. It's a time of rest. But there's a, very, there's a big difference between retreat and rest. To rest is to abide in something finished and to be and to bear fruit. To retreat is to be running away, which always will result in going around the same exact mountain that you're avoiding for the rest of your life. Yeesh. But the strategy and the point of today's message, I think, if I had to, if I had to say that there was one, would be that Having eyes that see is a major key to, to everything we've talked about. And also understanding God is good and he has plans and purposes for us. And there's always strategy behind everything that's going on in our life. There always is. And I'm talking like to you. Like you have so many wonderful things that God wants to unlock on the earth that only you can really do. Because you've been created in, in his image. You are his son, his daughter. But you also, you, you embody things and your essence is different than everyone else. And there's something of truly getting to know him. Seeing him as he is that unlocks you to be who you truly are. But also knowing that there's always something going on in your circle that he's working on. And the key is learning to... Um, 
read, you, you heard the saying of like, re, being able to read the room, certain jokes you shouldn't say in that room. People won't get it, you know? Maybe that's not a good example. Uh, or read the field like a quarterback does, or, you know, somebody laughed at it, it makes me feel a little better. Uh, being able to read the field, read the field of play. There's something about being able to read the scene of life that you're actually in and read it according to what is God doing in this whole thing right now. It's like, what has he got me in? What has he got me in relationally with my work, with my friendships, with my, with my spouse or my kids or my family? Like, what, what's going on? And it's not like, how do I make everything work and make all my anxieties go away? It's like, no. It's like, what is he doing in my heart right now that I would react in all these situations in the peace of God and in the wisdom of God and I would navigate this as somebody who's growing up in him? And that's where that strategy comes. Like, oh, I see what you're doing. I'm feeling stressed out and pressured about money and this and that. It's like, oh, you're shattering. You're showing me the contrast to this poverty mentality that I was raised in. And that it's not like you. And I can choose to have rest and peace and trust in you and make these decisions that I otherwise normally would not have made. Just an example, you know. There's something to that reality. Jesus said it to Satan, right? Man doesn't live. He, he quoted Deuteronomy 8 about the manna. He doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, God is always speaking. And sometimes we see his voice in the situations like, oh, I know what you're doing. We could be suspicious of the goodness of God. Oh, you're up to something very good in this. Even if it feels uncomfortable and not great, oh, you're bringing about integrity within me. You're, you're growing wholeness within me. You know? And the key is to recognize those things and not to retreat, but to push into it. Like, you know what? I'm going to get what you've got. I've placed my identity in my children, and I realize that's my fault. That's that has caused my identity to be something it's not and reach for my needs to be met. Or I've placed, you know, I, I'm just throwing examples out. I'm not trying to call nobody, you know what I mean? Don't hit me up later. You were talking to me, weren't you? No, I wasn't. I'm just throwing examples out, you know. Um, I'll close with that. I'll close with questions, with a question about that, okay? Um, well, there, here's the first question, all right? Here's a question to get to the question, and this is an easy one, but are you where you are supposed to be? Right? Uh, you know, I mean that like, that's like a Jonah question, right? It's like some, sometimes people will be religious, like, I don't know if I'm in the right place, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing that. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not how I mean that question at all. Uh, like, like Jonah, God told Jonah, go to this place and do this. And Jonah's like, ain't doing it, and went the other way. <laughs> hey, Jonah, are you where you're supposed to be? He knew he wasn't because he received something direct and he disobeyed. So that's what I mean by that. So are you where you're supposed to be? And that could be, uh, you know, like are you deliberately not showing up to the place that you've been directed to be? Are you dragging your heels on something and following through what the Lord's asked you to do? You know, the Jonah style. That could be where you live, where you go to church, the relationships you're supposed to be in or that you're not supposed to be in. You know, these are things that you should already know. Uh, basically, are you running away or avoiding your walk with the Lord? So, on the flip side of that, if you haven't been directed to be, you're supposed to be in, you know, Flint, Texas, or Lindale, you know, if you don't have something like that, then, and you haven't been directed, then, you know, yeah, that, don't, don't rack your brain on that. All right, it's too much words right there. But 
With that out of the way, the question being, in the situation that you find yourself in, are you able to read the scene? With that analogy that I just kind of painted, read the, read the, play, read the field. Like, what's actually happening? Is it a time that the Lord has you at rest? Does He have you sitting back? Does He have you pursuing something? Does he, is He asking you to walk forward in something? Has He asked you to serve in some sort of way? You know what I'm saying? Um, and in that many layers of like reading that scene and reading the field, it's like, ask yourself, if what, what is, so what is God doing in my heart in this circle of life that I find myself in right now, in this vicinity, in this spiritual scene that I'm in right now? And when, when you do that, all, all the questions for the homework that we do here are all about being in relationship to the Lord because that's the strength of real Christianity. It's like when you do that, you can actually look and be like, okay, these are the things, these are the things God is adding to me right now. And you can see what he's adding. You know what I mean? For some, it'll be relationships. For some, some it'll be opportunity. Um, sometimes it'll be things that are really uncomfortable. And he's asking you, you can tell like, you, you're asking me to, to go through this and to have integrity and to move forward, or you're doing something in my heart, or, you're, or right now, there's things that are triggering me in my life, and I know it's not really the situation, it's baggage from the past, and he's asking me to, he, to be healed and be hold of that finally so that I can move on. And when you start to learn how to read a scene and, and actually look at your life through the lens of what God is actually doing, we can then be faithful to follow through, and it opens up the next phase of where we're going. Does that make sense? Could have probably been said a little better. But I think it'll work. <laughs> yeah, you know. All right. Yeah, that's it. That's good. Yeah, the world, everywhere we're at, was designed to bear fruit for us. Just like the garden was initially for, for Adam. He was a perfect fit in the perfect place to be fruitful and multiply. And that's the point of today. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, and you in your true identity are a perfect fit in the perfect place to be fruitful and multiply. And sometimes it's getting down to the core of actually seeing it through the lens of the Lord. Instead of waiting for the, excuse me, the conditions to be perfect or ideal, saying, hey, even though they don't look it, I know that they actually are because God is good and I'm called according to his plans and purposes and I'm moving forward in whatever he has for me. Well, Lord, we thank you that you're good and kind and that the whole earth is full of your glory and goodness and that you've called all of us and um, that all things work for good, even the things that look like maybe a storm or a fire. Well, even that work for good, that you have wholeness, that you have complete restoration, even healing for the things that don't belong in heaven. They don't belong on the earth. Lord, I ask that we would have the eyes that the seraphim have, that we would have the eyes that the angels have, the way we see people, that we would have the eyes of the Lord Jesus as you walked on this earth, the way you saw things with value and love, that we would see this way, and that even our minds would come into this place of unlimited possibility because we're walking with you. Amen. Mm -hmm.